The comments and statements made within the show are the opinions of the commentators and their guests have not been evaluated by the FDA or in no way attempt to diagnose, treat, mitigate, cure, or prevent any disease or illness. The contents of the show are not to be construed as medical advice. If you have a health condition or health concern, please contact a licensed, qualified healthcare practitioner. Oh my, what have you found, Franny? Let's see what they say. Latest and greatest. You found more. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Excellent sleuthing, Fran. Fran, I think this is a new case for the Supplement Super Sleuth. Dig, Franny, dig! Time to go down the rabbit hole and see what we can find. Goodness, where are we? Aha! Take a look at this. It's another episode of Supplement Super Sleuth. And, um, hope you're all doing really well. And I am, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> so, um, today we're starting a new segment and, um, it's called what's old is new again. <laughs> we'll be looking at the strange and maybe the very weird and, um, yeah, it's, it should be a lot of fun. These are ancient healing practices that are having a makeover, um, or resurgence. And what, what, what I want to do is kind of take you through the history. Um, we'll uncover what may or may not work for any of these ancient practices that have been, um, revivified and we'll decide for ourselves if it's applicable for us in today's culture. So, um, there's, there are handfuls of these and, um, I've been kind of collecting them over the years and I want to start with, um, the very cool and very strange cranio electro stimulation, otherwise known as CES, which has its ancient roots in electric fish. Yep. That's what I, I just said, a very strange thing for the whole wide world. Um, let's wind back the clock to ancient Egypt, um, over 2000 years BC. And we're going to look at something that's known as the torpedo fish effect, which was, um, ancient healers use of electric fish and eels. <laughs> you heard me right. Um, there is, uh, evidence that ancient cultures such as the Egyptians and the indigenous peoples of the South of South America used electric eels and electric fish for medicinal purposes. So for example, the ancient Egyptians used electric eels to treat headaches and the indigenous people of South America used, um, electric eels to treat rheumatism and other ailments. So these practices um, were documented, but not robustly. Um, and it's difficult to say how widespread using electric fish and electric eels were across the globe. Um, but uh, what I wanted to do is share the literature uh, of the history of electric medicine. And then you can kind of decide for yourself um, how much information there is historically 
there's definitely a lot more modern information on electric medicine. We'll cover that later, but let's just start with the history. So um, the torpedo effect in medicine, PMID number 25231328. You can look it up yourself if you like. Um, the abstract says the natural electric phenomena fascinated humans since antiquity. The electrical discharges produced by the torpedo fish were highly appreciated among ancient physicians such as Hippocrates, Scribonius, Largus, and Galen, and were prescribed for headache, gout, and this one's a little dicey, prolapsed anus. I don't think I would put an electric eel on my butt, but that's what it was used for um, at the time of Galen. And in the medieval period, torpedoes electrical properties were attributed to what we call occult powers. While Renaissance physicians and scientists studied the anatomy and mechanical nature of the provoked shock, paving the way for the discovery of the electrical nature of the torpedoes fish's activity and the evolution of electrotherapy. So yes, even in ancient history, figuring out how to harness uh, electricity with low voltage um, or low amperage too, <laughs> um, in a way that wasn't so upsetting to the patient um, was something that, of course, how can you control it if it's an animal and they're just creating electric electricity and electric shock uh, through a chemical reaction in their body? How do you control that? And how do you keep that at a minimum for effect, but a maximum for therapeutic outcome? So that's probably <laughs> something that we don't have data on today. And it's probably something that they must have figured out at some point, but um, if you're interested in reading a book about the history of how electric fish inspired the development of the battery and then electric medicine, you can read this book called The Shocking History of Electric Fishes from Ancient Epochs to the Birth of Modern Neurophysiology. Um, it's Oxford University Press. So this book looks at how three kinds of strongly electric fishes became electrical and how they helped to change the sciences and also medicine of that day. These fishes are called the flat torpedo rays. They're common to the Mediterranean, the electric catfishes of Africa and the eel from South America. These were all electric types of fishes and eels. The discovery of the electrical nature of these fishes in the second half of the 18th century was the starting point of the two fundamental advances in the sciences. On the physiological side, the demonstration that nerve conduction and muscle excitation are electrical phenomena. And on the physical side, the invention of the electric battery. Pretty cool, right? Starting with catfish tomb drawings from ancient Egypt and colorful descriptions of torpedoes from the classical era, the chapters in the book show how these fishes were both really fascinating and mysterious to the ancients, of course, right? And after all, 
Not only could they produce uh, torpor and temporary numbness when touched, they could stun through intermediaries such as nets and spears. So, you know, again, originally thought of a cult and then taking it apart and learning more about it. Various explanations were given. Um, some were, um, this happened through a venom and others, of course, figured out the physiology of it. So through the Renaissance, um, there, are, they also tended to be associated with the, ma with magic, you know, <laughs> magical qualities, anything in the sciences that we don't understand, we call magic, which is okay. <laughs> right. To be determined, right? TBD, magic. <laughs> During the 1600s, natural philosophers speculated that rapid movements of specialized muscles could account for the action of these fishes creating electricity. This idea was widely accepted until 1750, when the possibility that their shocks might be electrical began to be discussed, showing how researchers set forth to provide support for fish electricity is a major focus of this really cool book. I really, t it's a really interesting read for any of you who are in, who are really um, interested in electric medicine, but also interested in how electricity and the battery evolved looking at nature. Um, so, um, the chapters transport us from the jungles of South America and then um, to London, where John Walsh demonstrated in 1776 that they can spark. They actually do spark. Subsequent chapters um, uh, create further evidence for specialized fish electricity and how electric fishes help to change ideas, even about our own physiology. The book also shows how these fish remained a, a very important part of medicine and how Volta modeled his revolutionary pile or electric battery on the anatomy of these fish. So great read, totally interesting. I know it seems like such a boring subject, but it isn't because it really sets us up to see that again, nature, nature is remarkable and often gives us what, us, what we need right right here, right around us. And it's up to us to explore it and um, utilize it in a way that me that's meaningful and helps create um, healing without harm, right? <laughs> healing without harm. Um, so, and you can only imagine what it must have looked like to a physician of old, how to figure out how to place and secure an electric eel or a torpedo fish on your head for a headache. <laughs> so the mind boggles, but there it is, right? Um, they did, and it was utilized. Um, and the earliest citations of electric medicine given to us by nature and a handful of doctors thinking outside the box doctors of their day. So um, moving from ancient history to more modern history, we see the 20th century scientists and medical experts of that day um, also explore electric medicine. So in, um, uh, in a research piece published in, the clinic, in Clinical Nephrology in 2013, um, 
neuromuscular electrostimulation techniques, historical aspects, and current possibilities in the treatment of pain and muscle wasting. So the PubMed number for that is 23249528. So the abstract says application of electricity for pain treatment, of course, dates all the way back to thousands of years BC. The ancient Egyptians and later the Greeks and Romans recognized that electrical fishes are capable of generating electric shocks for the relief of pain. And in the 18th and 19th centuries, these natural producers of electricity were replaced by man-made electrical devices. This happened in the following phases. The first were the application of static electric currents called Franklinism which was produced by a friction generator. And then uh, Christian Kratzenstein was the first to apply it medically, followed shortly by Benjamin Franklin. The second phase was galvanism. This method applied a direct electrical current to the skin by chemical means. And in the third phase, the, uh, the electric current was induced intermittently and in alternate directions called Faradism. The fourth stage was the use of high frequency currents. Um, the 19th century was the golden age of electrotherapy, at least back then, because we still are moving forward with it. It was used for countless dental, neurological, psychiatric, and gynecological disturbances. Where at the beginning of the 20th century, electrotherapy kind of fell from grace. It was dismissed as lacking a scientific basis in being used only by quacks and charlatans for unserious aims. Furthermore, the development of electric um, effective analgesic drugs decreased the interest in electricity. In the second half of the 20th century, Electrotherapy underwent a revival. Based on animal experiments and clinical investigations, its neurophysiological uh, mechanisms were elucidated in more details. The pain relieving action of electricity was explained in particular by two main mechanisms. The first, segmental inhibition of pain signals to the brain in the dorsal horn of the spinal cord. And the second, activation of the descending inhibitory pathway with enhanced release of endogenous opioids, that's our own painkillers, right? And other neurochemical compounds such as serotonin, noradrenaline, gamma, amniobutyric acid, which is also known as GABA, acetylcholine, and adenosine. The modern electrotherapy of neuromuscular skeletal pain is based in particular on the following types. Transcutaneous electrical neurostimulation, which is also known as TENS, and pure percutaneous electrical nerve uh, stimulation, PENS, or electroacupuncture, and spinal cord stimulation, or SCS. In mild to moderate pain, TENS and PENS are effective methods, whereas SCS is very useful for therapy of refractory neuropathic or ischemic pain. In 2005, high-tone external muscle stimulation was introduced, or HTEMS. In diabetic peripheral neuropathy, its analgesic action was more pronounced than TENS, and HTEMS appeared also to have value in the therapy of symptomatic peripheral neuropathy in end-stage renal disease. Besides its pain-relieving effect, 
Electrical stimulation is of major importance for the prevention or treatment of muscle dysfunction and sarcopenia. In controlled clinical studies, electromyostimulation or EMS has been shown to be effective against the sarcopenia of patients with chronic congestive heart disease, diabetes, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and ESRD. So flash forward to our, our modern day today in 2023, and there is a real resurgence of electric medicine, which is giving so many people relief for anxiety, depression, and sleep disorders, intractable physical pain of the back and extremities. So I want to talk just a little bit more about cranioelectric stimulation or CES. CES is primarily a brain calming technique which delivers small pulses of electrical current through the brain. CES is a subset of TENS or transcutaneous electroneural stimulation. TENS refers to any form of electrical stimulation that's delivered right through the skin. So typically, TENS consists of a fairly strong pulse and is used to contract muscles. CES, on the other hand, involves a much weaker pulse and is typically applied bilaterally across the cranium via the placement of two small electrodes, one on either side of the head, right? Use your ears, <laughs> use your earlobes. Most studies have used electrode placements on the mastoid process, which is behind the ear, right? Um, and the earlobes or the temporal lobes right here on the side of your head right by your um, end of your eyebrows um, or um, here over the ears on your temporal lobes of your, of your skull. A few devices have also placed one electrode on the head and the other on the shoulder or arm. CES devices employ alternating currents in audio frequencies typically from 0.5 to 100 hertz and one device uses um, on the market uses about 15 kilohertz. There are various theories as to how CES affects the brain. The most popular are that a direct action is enacted on the brain via the brainstem, the limbic system, the reticular activating system, and the uh, hypothalamus. And this in turn affects neurotransmitter production and possibly what we call the default mode network. So many people in my practice ask, is there anything natural that is not a pill that I can do to reduce my anxiety? Well, I say there is. There's meditation, there's deep breathing, and there's other self-calming techniques that can and do work. There's also CES units that can make a really big difference. You'd still have a daily practice of using your equipment. Um, but in many cases, you can wear the ear clips uh, from a CES unit while you're working on your computer or driving in your car. They don't sedate you. Um, so um, they aren't hypnotic, nor are they distracting. Um, and you can use them during waking hours. And there's so much more available uh, evidence today regarding electric medicine that it's non-toxic and it's effective to, and it's definitely something to consider. It's, especially if it's moderate, mild to moderate, you really can get a great effect. So what was old, electric fishes and eels, is new again, CES and CES equipment. Um, and even better than before. 
Electric medicine continues to take its rightful place in self-care and can offer our current times a safe, easy, and effective way to support a healthy mental and emotional state of being. So if you have any questions about Mind Alive, which is my favorite pick for CES equipment, um, or CES equipment that's available out there, go ahead and reach out to me. I'm more than happy to give you some support there. All right. So if you're wondering who I am, my name is Nan and I have a complimentary health and herbal clinic. Um, I've been part and then full-time for more than 30 years, focused on difficult to treat conditions. And also I had been a spokesperson and a spokesperson and educator in the natural products industry for more than 20 years. And I worked for some of the more reputable and well-known companies. I, I have seen behind the curtain of Oz, as the saying goes. So I'm also good for ask, uh, answering questions about um, natural products that are uh, developed in the natural products industry. You can connect with me in person by going to my website at www.watersedgewellness.com or by reaching out to me through my social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You'll find my TikTok page under Herbal Answers. I'll be doing this podcast about two times a month, sharing perspectives of natural health and healing and or interviewing key people and thought leaders in the natural medicine um, industry to hear their knowledgeable perspectives and to share them with you. And if you wouldn't mind, please subscribe to and like the Supplement Super Sleuth where podcasts can be found and please share my podcast with interested friends and family. It'd also be really fun and super supportive if you can let me know if there's subject matter in the natural health field that you're interested in. And by adding any of the comments on the social media sites, I'm more than happy to um, dedicate an episode based on your requests. And with that, I'll say take good care and I'll see you really soon. Well, Super Sleuth, we've conducted a very thorough investigation of this case and we've learned a lot. Fran, you can show us the way home now. What are you doing? Fran, you're amazing. We're home. Tune in again for the next Supplement Sleuth adventure. Take good care and Fran and I will see you soon. Say goodbye, Fran. <coughs>